Welcome to Faithbrook Church. It is, like I said earlier, so good. So good that we can worship together corporately. We can sing awesome, amazing songs. And I love that we get to do that. In fact, I think Sunday might be one of my best uh, favorite days because of being able to be together on uh, and worship together. Well, if you are a guest here, I especially want to welcome you. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe we come in a few times. Well, either way, I just want to say thank you for taking time every weekend to join in with us. In fact, I want to encourage you to reach into the seat back in front of you and grab a blue connection card. If you would fill that out and then on your way out, you can drop it off into one of the giving boxes. And if you're online, you can go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a connection card there as well. Now, whether you fill out a physical or digital card, uh, for every card we do receive, we donate $5 to Cross Food Shelf. And this is just a small way in which we can make a big difference in our community. And secondly, I would love the opportunity to follow up with you and thank you for joining in. So I look forward to connecting with you. Now, maybe you're not a guest with us, but maybe you've been coming around for a few weeks, maybe a month, maybe you've been here for a year, and you're wanting to know a little bit more about who Faithbrook is. Well, let me tell you, I have the thing just for you. In fact, there's a discovery class happening right after this service, right up here in the front right of the worship center, and it's tailored specifically for you. In fact, in this class, it's about 20 minutes, and in it, we talk a little bit about who Faithbrook is, what makes it tick, even uh, ways in which way you may uh, look to get connected. And it's also a great opportunity to get to know our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, and also get to meet some other new folks here as well. So I look forward to see you right after service. And if you have kids, you can go uh, pick them up from their room. You can take them over to the kids' zone room, and then you can join us back in here right as the service or as the discovery continues. Well, we are continuing our series called Parenting in the 21st Century. So in a few moments, we'll welcome out our lead pastor, Jim Comfort. Well, what do you do when your little two-year-old looks you in the eye and says, nope, I'm not going to do it? What do you do when one of the siblings goes in another sibling's room and steals something, takes something? How do you handle that? Well, what do you do when your 12-year-old is not uh, doing their homework? Uh, how do you uh, manage that? Or your 15-year-old never wants to put down their phone. These are all dilemmas and sticky situations that parents in the 21st century find themselves in. I have a feeling this is where we get our gray hair or even lose our hair, maybe some wrinkles, how children can easily age us, right? I always got a kick out of Kevin Lehman's book, How Do You Make Your Children Mine Without Losing Your Mind, all right? Because a lot of times we can lose our mind. Well. Welcome back to part three of our series, Parenting in This Century. Hope you had a great weekend. We're just uh, so happy that you've come to worship with us and personally. And maybe you're watching us online, worshiping with us. We're into spring, woohoo, right? And maybe the kids can get out of the basement and uh, do something fun. Well, we kicked it off three, two weeks ago about this, this principle of Jesus modeled for us and how we could maybe model this and approach our kids as Jesus approached people. Because Jesus was always navigating the tension between the ideal and the real. He wanted to promote and point to God's best for their life, understanding that a lot of times uh, reality would kick in, that people would not follow God's best all the time. And so what did he do with that? Well, he would dispense grace. 
See, Jesus never compromised the truth. He was always pointing to the best, the ideal. But when people fell short, he was willing to dispense grace and help them to see the truth. And this is a, a great way to approach life and, and with people or even our kids. Kids, we love you. He Here's the ideal. Here's the truth. But there's always going to be love. There's going to be some grace. And we're going to try to navigate that, that tension. We realize that none of us have all the answers. None of us are perfect people or perfect parents. Uh, we find that our kids are not always perfect either. So we need a whole bunch of grace, but we never want to compromise and never stop looking to God's best in our life. And, and that can be a great way just to parent in the 21st century. Now, last week, we discovered this hidden kind of secret that our behavior has more influence than our, our words. We're so used to giving advice, but really what our kids are looking and what we remember is our practices and our behavior more than our lectures and our advice. In fact, if we want to maybe have them take on our values, especially if we're Christ followers, then they're going to be watching, are we living that out? And what we do or we don't do is really going to determine if they want to live like us, maybe take on our values like us, and even maybe hang out, out, hang out with us later on in life. So if that's true, that our behaviors a lot of times have a greater influence, then what are these behaviors that are that are modeling for these children. Where should we get them? Well, there's a lot in the Bible that we could go to, but <clears throat> in this series, we're going to the famous love chapter that is found in 1 Corinthians in the middle of the, <clears throat> the New Testament. Um, this has also been described by Andy Stanley. He has a lot to do with this, this series. He says, uh, loving God's way. It's, it's God's brand of love. Some of these actions that we first see in chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. For, for example, he says, love is patient. And a lot of times we need that as parents. Man, before we know it, we can be so pushy as parents, right? Let's hurry up. Let's go. Push, push, push. Sometimes we, we are pushing our dreams, our expectations. You need to turn out this way and, and be more like me. And instead of letting that child uh, have his own dreams and how God wired him. We, we talked about love is kind. And yes, it's, it's very well known that we need to uh, respect and have mutual effects to our peers and people around us. But at the same time, this kindness can, can be the catalyst for a relationship, that we want to grow a relationship with our children as they continue to grow for trust and assurance and acceptance. Sometimes our children embarrass us with some of their actions, right, or choices, but we should never uh, let go of that relationship. In fact, relationships are more important than reputations in our family and in our lives. Well, we looked at um, what love does and what that looks like, but what love doesn't do, according to God's brand of love, is a couple of insecurities that prop up in our life. And in 1 Corinthians talks about love does not envy, Love is not boastful. Love is not prideful. Before we know it, we can be the, that parent that is agitated. We know it all. Look at my kid. Or before we know it, we're jealous of look at their kids. My kid's better than you. And there's cat fights and all this stuff that happens. And our kids see that. And a lot of times, it's not our kids' behaviors. It's really what's happening inside of us. 
And we talked about the, the need to be great parents is that we got to be great in, on the inside. And that starts with God. Where are we at with God? Have we been forgiven? Are we been made whole with Christ and let his characters and his identity flow through us into our kids? Before we know it, we don't have to be prideful. We don't have to be a know-it-all. We don't have to be jealous. We can be free and whole and calm. And our kids feel this and know this because we've done some business and been made whole and said yes to Jesus. Now, today, we go into part three, and I would suggest this is one of the most uh, trickiest, diciest subject, maybe the hardest of all parenting, and that is the subject of discipline. Oh, yes, discipline. You know, discipline has a, has a, a negative connotation, right? Nobody wants to do discipline. It's such a negative thing, and, and, but really, we're, we're not sure how to do that. We love our kids, and we don't want to make them mad, and, but well, what's that all about, right? Well, we can go back to God's brand of love, and we can see a, a couple of tactics and a couple of parameters there. For instance, the next verses in 1 Corinthians, verse 5 says, love is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. So we know this from the word there, that the discipline should never uh, come out of anger. Uh, to punish, you make me mad, and so I'm coming, going to get after you. This is not the God's brand of love. It's not easily angered. And of course, all these can apply also to our marriages and our different relationships, right? Uh, are we just keeping wrongs, and we're going to make sure you know that, child or spouse, right? But love's like, no, we're, we're not going to address certain things out of anger. We're going to address them out of love. Now, yes, kids can make us mad. Absolutely. So frustrating sometimes. Uh, it's kind of like the parent that says, parenting is like talking to an automated phone attendant. You're hopeful, and you, next thing you know, you, keep your, you start repeating yourself, and then, then you're yelling, right? How many times have maybe we yelled our, our child that got angry or, or raised her voice because we can easily exa- be exasperated, and then we're exasperating them, Where does this come from? Well, the Bible has some answers there, too. That all of us are onboarded a a disposition or a a disposition to being selfish. Uh, We call this maybe the carnal nature. Uh, James 1 talks about why is there so much fighting? Uh, Why is there so much conflict? Is it not that you want to get your way? Well, if you ever raised some children or seen maybe some grandchildren, you know, man, they just have a nature that they, they want their way. And when they don't want their way, they start stomping or pouting, and, and there's battles of the wills. And this is where we're trying to figure out how to navigate this. What are the best practices? Where we go from this? Sometimes, man, you're just like, I'd rather not you know, deal with discipline. Uh, I'm not even sure if, if, if it's even valuable. Is it valuable? Well, let's just kind of step back a little bit and answer that question. Well, we see it valuable to God. God instituted some discipline, some consequences. We, we see how he handled his nation of Israel in the Old Testament. He so loved them, and he had this vision for them. And when they started disobeying and they got stubborn, God brought some, some consequences in their life to help them wake up and say, you need me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Even personally, sometimes the, the word tells us, the Bible tells us that God can bring uh, retributions into us to help us wake up. We see this example in Hebrews chapter 12, where the writer in chapter 12 talked about God's discipline. First of all, he said, my son, 
Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when we, he rebukes you. So discipline is, is, is not, you know, cheery, right? And sometimes we're like, why is, this, why is he allowing this to happen to me? Is it the devil? Is it just a trial? Or sometimes God's like, you know what? I need you to take a time out over here. I need you to wake up. And sometimes I believe he, he oppresses us because we're going to see that he loves us. And he has a mission, that's a lesson for us to learn. This is where the writer is going here. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He disciplines the one he loves and he chastens or he guides, right? Everyone he accepts as a son. It's a sign that he cares, just like a father or a mother says, I so love you, I am willing to engage and set some, some boundaries or some consequences in your life. He loves us. Now, the purpose or the benefit we see, God disciplines us for our good. In other words, in other translations, it talks about for our benefit. There's going to be a blessing in order that we may share in his holiness. So this is the characteristics of God. Uh, does God lie? Does God damage? Does God hurt people? No, he is good. And these are the, the ways of God and the characters. You can even go into the fruits of the spirit, kindness and joy and care and self-control, etc. These are the ways of God's love, his holiness and his holy character. Now, the writer is, is realistic here. No discipline seems pleasant at the time. Right, but painful. Just ask your child if they ever get in trouble or whatever, consequent, it's bad, they don't like it, it's meltdown, right, right? But later on, however, there's an agenda here. There's, it produces something. It, it blesses them with harvest, as they put it, righteousness and peace for all those who've been trained in us. So God has a vision that through this discipline, and just like we have for our children, there's going to produce something, a harvest of righteousness. Again, these are upright characters. This is not only reflecting who God is, but these upright characters is going to produce some, some blessings, some assets, some eventually some peace. Now, can I tell you that I'm kind of a connoisseur of people and I read the headlines and, and I notice that, <clears throat> excuse me, those who live by God on average have, a, I would say, a higher quality of life one reason is, is that sin can easily bring regrets and damage in our life. Sin is so enticing and alluring and so fun. But on the backside, if you're just like, oh, why did I do that? I should have never done that. And now we got repercussions and issues. But when we live in a righteous way, then it produces peace. And the same with our kids. When we're willing to engage and say, I'm willing to, to love you and set some boundaries, then there can be some peace. It's kind of like, God so loved or we so love our children that we're willing not to let them play in the street. But they want to play in the street. That's where the other kids are playing in the street. No, there's cars that go up and down the, the street. And so if you go in the street, I'm going to have to consequence you because I love you enough to protect you. And when that child understands that, man, it might be a hassle and I don't like it. And I even got a consequence. They know in their heart, their mind, you know, my parent loves me. I, I feel more secure because they got my back. There, and a child that doesn't have boundaries and limits and, and discipline, they're like, I don't know. I don't know where my parents are. I, I can do whatever I want. And that's fun for a while. But inside they're like, it's loosey goosey. It's insecure. And so when we bring boundaries and disciplines, it brings a blessing of security, 
of love and eventually peace in their life. So I really appreciate what Dr. James Dobson said many years ago in his book, Dare to Discipline. Disciplinary action is not an assault on parental love, right? It is a function of it. Discipline should never come from anger. It comes from our love. Appropriate consequences is not something you do to a child. Okay, you're in trouble. No, it is something that we do for a child. This is what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. We're willing to engage. If we have to be the bad guy, if we have to bring them the tears, whatever, we're willing because we love them so much. I, I like this term that's love with limits. I, my love is going to determine some limits because I want to protect you. I want to help you. And if we're willing, if I'm willing, if I have to be the bad guy, so be it. But we're going to make sure that you have a life that has some peace, some safety, some security. If we have to confront, we'll do that. It's almost like a gift when you're giving that child some boundaries in their life. That they don't know it maybe, but there's, there's a boundary of safety, of security that comes from your love. And also when discipline is applied, it's equipping your child to learn things like self-control, self-responsibility, self-discipline. Oh, because you know, they might not know, but life is full of limits. Yes, right? Life is full of boundaries. We cross those boundaries. A lot of times there's pain, there's suffering, there's consequences, there's authority. And I would submit to you, what better place for our children to live that there are authorities, including God, right? That we're accountable to God and God has limits. God has consequences. We choose what better way when they're young to say, this is what life is going to be like. And yes, there's going to be some, some, maybe some pain, some consequences if you cross those lines. But we're here in this place of acceptance and, and love to, to teach you this. It's a blessing. It's a gift. Now, that hopefully makes sense, and, and we kind of get that. But I want to suggest something this morning that's even greater than that. And that is the concept of parenting in the 21st century of honor. Honor is superior to obedience. Yes, we all want our kids to obey, right? That would make our life a little bit easier. But have we ever thought about raising the level of honor more important than just obedience? Now, honor, I want to submit to you, is a trait of God. This is where the Hebrew writer is talking about the righteousness of God. We see this through the Bible, for, for uh, example, we see when Jesus said, <clears throat> you know, the greatest command is to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The, the next commandment is love your neighbor. In other words, honor your neighbor. Paul wrote in Romans 12, 10, be the devoted to one another in what? Love. Honor one another above yourselves. This is the way of Christ. This takes a lot of humility. This takes a lot of the Holy Spirit to live within you, to say, you know, you go first. I honor you. Uh, this has to do with maybe the employ employers that we work for, uh, maybe some of our civil authorities that we honor them. It's a God trait. This also applies into our parenting. We, we see this word in Exodus 20 in the Old Testament. Honor your mother and father, that your days be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And here's the thing about honor. See, obedience is about rules. Honor is about relationship. 
And when we honor God, when we honor our, our mother and father, it's, it's a relationship that we are trusting and loving and caring for one another. And when we break the rule, we're really breaking that, that relationship. We're breaking that fellowship that we heart. It's not just mending back the damage we've done physically, maybe, but especially it's mending back that relationship if we honor one another. Sometimes that means we have to apologize to our children because maybe we got a little angry. We just went over the top. And our relationship is is more important than just obedience. And I'm sorry, would you forgive me? And also to our children doing the same. Honor superior to obedience. See, again, that, that, that kindness factor, that relationship factor has to continue on from, from the moment we bring them home all the way through their adult relationship. There, there's always going to be a relationship, hopefully. Is it full of, of truth and, and grace? Is there some love that we honor one another no matter what they choose and do? I really appreciate um, Josh McDowell said one time, rules without relationship equal rebellion. Rules without relationship equal rebellion. Why isn't I make my, my kids not minding? It's making me so upset. I got rules, right? I got discipline. But what about your relationship? How's it going when, when you're not having to engage, right? Are you, are you um, breathing and nurturing a relationship, hanging out? Is there a time where you're laughing together, playing together, uh, loving on them together. And, and here's one of the rules that we kind of uh, go by or we were taught for every one negative engagement. Hey, you shouldn't have done that or don't do that. We need to make sure that we have four positive engagements. So there, there is some uh, compliments and, hey, thank you for doing that. And way to go. You rock, man. We love you and tickle this and jump this and playing around. A lot of positive engagement. So when the one negative comes, man, I'm so sorry. Man, the, that, is, that is wrong. That You can't do that. That's out of line, right? It, it, the relationship is still there. And that child knows that we got their back. We're in their corner. Well... <clears throat> So a lot of times we're asking, okay, that makes sense, but how do I discipline? How do I honor our kids? How do that relationship, and yet practically what do I do with that? Well, one of the things we do know is not how not to do it. Let me give you a couple of suggestions how not to do it. We can go to the extremes. Do you know any people or, or parents that go to extreme? Like, for instance, the, the real harsh, strict, hardcore uh, parent, man, they are coming down hard. They use their authoritarian. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the parent, you, and, and they put the fear of God in their kids, right? Man, my, my dad, my mom's going to kill me. Maybe you're raising that way, right? There, there's no nurturing. And, and if we're just way extreme in the harshness, right, then before you know it, there's some resentment. There's, there's a wedge. It's not about a relationship. It, it's about fear. It's about behavior. Well, then we go to the other extreme, and this is, this is also a little bit about fear, but we, we fear our kids. We're, we're, we're sometimes so fragile, maybe we're, we're afraid that our kids are going to react in such a way that we feel so bad, and we don't want little Johnny sad, and they might not like us, and, and we got to have our kids to like us. And so we start rationalizing, we start justifying, find ways that we don't engage in a behavior that we're like, we know that's probably wrong. But we don't want to have a conflict, and we surely don't want our little one to, to not like us, and so we're, we give them permissiveness. And what's happening is, is we, are, we are cheating our children out of learning responsibility. 
That life is big and bad out there, and there's going to be people that say, man, this is wrong, and there's a consequence, and yet we're not willing to say, I'm willing to teach you when you're young. I'll be the bad guy. I'll be the enforcer if I have to, because I want you to learn that we love you so much that we're going to bring this, this, these boundaries, these limits, okay? And if I have to be the bad guy, then, then we're willing to do that because we love you. And, and you're equipping them again to learn things like self-control and personal responsibility because there are some, some boundaries. So we have to engage. Well, well Jim, what, what do you engage in? When do you confront your child? When, when do you say, hey, that's, that's not right. That's not appropriate. Well, let me offer you this. These are three D words that I think that really kind of can give us some qualified uh, to help us as parents to, to engage these three aspects right here. If you ever identify your child engaging in one of these, I mean, lying and dishonest is a, is a big one. And, and, and when you look, look at these, this is what you, you ought to think about. These all have to do with about relationship and honor. Because when your child or your spouse or anybody lies to you, it's not just hurting your feelings. It's about a relationship. I mean, I, I thought I could trust you, right? You're hurting me. And now our relationship's kind of broken, and you disrespected me. Is there a tone of voice? Is there words that they are disrespecting you? And, and you tell them three times, and they're like, no, I'm not going to do it. That has to do with the relationship. And by the way, this also has to do with our relationship with God. This is exactly what we see in the Bible, in, in the Old Testament, the New Testament. Men, when we're dishonest to God and, and we lie to God, man, that hurts the relationship. And this is where God intervenes sometimes. This is what Hebrews 12 is talking about. And, and how many times do we disrespect God? Maybe, maybe in word, maybe in deed. And especially if we're disobedient to God, that's what God so loves us. He's not ready to hammer us and punish us because he hates us and he's mad at us. But man, we've damaged the relationship. And God went first, by the way, through the cross to mend that relationship. But we have to do our part. And so when our child um, engages with one of these, you, you have to react to that. That's, that's not appropriate. That's over the line. And so there's going to be a consequence. There's going to be some discipline. So, so is there any practical tips on how, what to do? You know, I got a three-year-old, I got a 13-year-old, you know, what, what, what do we do? Well, first of all, let me give you two tips. And one is make sure if you're married to be united with your spouse on, on what the plan is. Because kids are very tricky and they know how to manipulate and split you, right? So if they want a brownie or something and, and dad says no, then they go over to mommy. Mommy can't have a brownie because mommy's softer maybe, right? No, that's inappropriate, all right? Now that's just a small thing. But a lot of times our kids see that mom and dad are fighting each other because they're not on the same page or not united and they take advantage of that. Hello, right? So some of you might have to make an appointment to say, hey, honey, can, I, can we meet you know, maybe uh, after work this Wednesday, let's go out to dinner and let's just talk about are we on the same page when it comes to what our expectations is? Because we got to have United Front, whatever the next steps are in discipline, uh, we got to be that they don't split us. Yes. Mm -hmm. Second thing is, is to be consistent and, and follow through on the discipline and the action. Hey, here's another thing that kids are waking up to, right? Well, this week they did this, but next week they didn't. I, I've noticed that some parents are kind of passive. They don't want to hassle with it, right? And all of a sudden the parent blows up after three weeks of this kid doing this kind of thing. I told you, right, 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 right. And the kid gets very insecure, right? Because they can't count on mom and dad to, to be consistent. 
So there's always a guess, and then there's usually a blow-up, and we're wondering why our kids are not doing it, because we're not willing, a lot of times, hello, to get off the couch and deal with it. It's kind of like the quote, parenting is not convenient. You, you got your popcorn, and you're watching your movie or something, all of a sudden, you did something, and you're like, oh, man. Half the time, we're like, ah, blow it, right? But, then you, but no, you've got to be consistent. Okay, put that popcorn down. We've got to engage with this. Oh, well. What do you do when your kid misbehaves, right? Well, let me give you a little uh, thing that we learned. Uh, This might not work for you, but it it worked for us. We also saw it being used on the nanny show. If you ever see this nanny that comes in this this house and kids are disaster, right? And this expert parent comes into nanny and all kinds. This is the same concept. Uh, Some people think this is gold. We found it worked for us. We were not perfect. Didn't always happen perfectly. So just stay with me. So remember the three D's. So let's say our little two, three-year-old, right? It's, let's say um, they're reaching for something in the living room that they shouldn't be touching. You can harm them or break it or whatever. And we'll tell them, no, don't touch that. And that, that little guy, they look and then they look at us. And then they look at that thing right there. And, and, and all of a sudden, man, they just like look right at us and they just take it. All right? All right. Well, for me and Terry, that meant we had to engage. Okay? They disobeyed. And, and we had to take them and say, well, I guess. And we had a little naughty chair in the corner of our, our house over there. They knew what that, that was. Okay, now you're going to have to sit in the naughty chair. Oh, I don't want to sit in the naughty chair. And there's, there's tension in the house. And it's not very fun, right? But the, the adult has to take the child and say, I'm sorry that you didn't obey. You disobeyed. And that's not right, okay? We'd say, that, that is not appropriate. Just confront it. That's not appropriate. Come over and sit in the chair and sit there, and you're going to have to take some time and think about it, okay? Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Well, my kid wouldn't sit there, right? He'd get up there and stubborn and storm out. Yes, that's right. And so you gently, firmly have to walk and find the child and bring him back to that, that chair. You're going to have to sit here. Sit right here. Maybe give him the stink eye, right? You sit right here, right? And if that child gets up again and walks away, I don't care if it happens five or six times. Here's the deal, friends. Here's the deal. You got to follow through. And if it takes you 12 times to bring up that child, because you got to win the battle, because in that little three-year-old's mind, in that little thing, it's who's the boss around here? And for Terry and I, we're like, we're the boss, because God's the boss. And you got to learn it when you're three, because when you're 13, you're 23, and you don't get this, right? So we're going to bring you back 100 times if we have to, because we will win. And when they realize, my parents are not going to out. They're going to outlast us, outlast me, right? They settle down and they sit in that chair, right? And they're pounding. And then you come over and say, can we talk about what you did, right? No, I don't like you. Okay, we'll come back. And you wait till they settle down and they become teachable. Now, here's the key, right? If you get them in that chair, here's the key. You get down on your knees and here's the key question. Why are you in this chair? Why are you in this chair? And when that child comes, he has to own the offense, right? I told you no. I disobeyed. You have to hear it from them. It's almost like a confession and a repentance. And when they own it and they identify and verbalize it, man, there's something that breaks in their heart that's like, yes, I was wrong. And this is where grace is poured in. And this is where tender teaching comes in. I'm so sorry that you did that. And you know know what? This is not what we want in our house. And this is not, and we would teach him the the righteousness of God. God doesn't want us to lie. 
God doesn't want us to be disobedient to your parents. You know that. And you know, we can do better, can't we? And then you start just pouring in grace and love. You know what? We know you, you, you're going to do better, and you can do You're going to do better? You think you're not going to touch that, that candy or whatever again? Okay. And then, man, that's just where you just love on them, right? And so we're so sorry for this, but Mom and Daddy love you dearly. We, we love you. We believe in you. Okay, we're going to get back playing. All right, let's, let's try not to let that happen again. See, the relationship got that mended back there, the grace of God. But the ideal and the truth was there at the same time. Now, now, does it happen again? Yes. Okay, that tear was always there, right? Some kids have to go there a lot. Some kids hardly go there a lot. Uh, uh, but this was a tactic that we used. Well, well, what about when they get older? Well, this is where we honor our kids by empowering, I call empowering with a choice. All right, empowering with the choice. See, instead of you always being the bad guy, you got to invite them and honor them to make the choices of the consequences. So this is what I mean by setting the standard and say, okay, now it's your choice. If you want to have these consequences, let, let's, say, uh, let's say it's grades, okay? So we believe and we know that you probably can make C's and B's. This is our expectation in our house, C's and B's. And we know that you do some studying and whatever, bring home your books or whatever, you can have that. And if you choose... That's the key word. If you choose not to study, not to bring home your books, and your grades get lower, then this, this domino is going to fall. You're going to lose this privilege. And you've got to find out what, what your kid, what privilege they like, whatever. And let's say, um, and, and like for our house, this is kind of the standard. And uh, a grade goes down, and they lose that privilege. And when, when the grade goes back up, you get that privilege back. Your choice, okay? Don't, don't yell at us. We're not the bad guy. You have the power to control your life. You want to honor them that way, right? Now, here's the deal. A lot of times, they're going to debate you, okay? If you've had teenagers, no teenagers, their leverage is getting you involved with a verbal uh, debate, right? I've learned this from my first child to the second child, right? And they'll drop bombs on you. They'll say, well, you're, you're not fair, right? In your mind, you're like, we are fair, okay? And I'm going to persuade you how fair we are, and then, and then, and then it's like you know that's mean. And then Johnny's parents don't do that, and all this kind of stuff. They just trigger you, bait you into this verb, blah 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 blah. Here's what the experts tell us, man: honor them, and then turn away, and don't debate. Okay, just don't say anything. It's something like this: it's to say um, they didn't clean their room, or something. I'm so sorry that you chose not to clean your room, and you know that now you're not going to get to watch TV for, for two days. And when you get done with not watching TV two days, you can have TV privileges back and walk away, right? And they're like, wait, 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 wait. sorry. Okay. Honor them by saying, man, I thought you were going to rock it. And you didn't. So you chose these consequences. I'm so sorry for that. Your choice, right? And here's, here's the line. And then you can have it back. I, we're going to do better, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Okay. Goodbye, right? And, but that's the thing with teenagers, right? They're going to be looking at our actions rather than our words. And that's a way of honoring. Now, uh, and, uh, we can honor in, in different ways. I saw a great picture of this in a, a family uh, that had a teenage boy. Um, and he got car privileges. Start driving. They said, hey, you can use our family car. But if you get reckless and stuff, you know, you better drive well, well. He, he was your average 16-year-old, whatever. He thought he was doing his duties. He'd go burning around the neighborhood and got a little reckless and ran over one of the neighbor's uh, mailboxes. Crash, bang, woo! Oh. He comes home and says, I damaged a car, and I knocked out the neighbor's uh, mailbox. Oh, man, how embarrassing. All this kind of stuff. What do a parent do, 
right? Well, I thought they just rocked it, man. I thought they did so well. They said, well, I'm so sorry you chose to drove reckless, and now there's property damage, not only to our neighbor, but our car. So you're going to have to pay for that. So we're going to get in your savings, and you're going to have to pay for that. Now, you're going to have to go to the neighbor, and you're going to have to knock on their door, introduce yourself, and say, I'm the one that, that damaged your property, and own it. And then you're going to tell them that out of your pocket, you're going to replace the mailbox. They can, they can tell you what mailbox they want, go shopping, but you're going to have to pay it. And then your dad and you are going to install it. Now, I thought that was brilliant because two things happened. There was a physical consequence of, of payment, right? You got to own that. But there was a broken relationship because there was a relationship with a stranger of the neighbor that he never met before. But verbally... And emotionally, he had to knock on that door and say, I'm so sorry. I damaged your property because of my recklessness. And I'd like to make that up to you. I'm willing to pay for it. And I'm personally going to, I'm so sorry. Would you allow me to do that? And they did. I thought that was brilliant of honoring and discipline at the same time. They didn't belittle the kid. They didn't embarrass the, the, the child. But said, you, you got to own it. And you got to mend the, the, the uh, relationship with this, this person. Man, it's the same way in our own life. we got to honor one another. Do our children see us honoring their, our spouse? Are we begrudging? Are we belittling? Do we honor our kids with sarcastic, mean tones or insults and make fun of them? That's not honoring our children. At the same time, our children got to honor us. So many times, children today or teenagers can say things to their parents that are disrespectful. You know, in our house, we, we, used to, we used to say this. We'd say, man, you, you may think it, but you are not allowed to say it. You may think it, but you're not allowed to say it. I know you're mad. And I know you, you agree or something, but if you say it, there's going to be a consequence. Well, let's say if they say it, right? You kick it in. Uh, once again, you say, you know, I'm so sorry that you chose to say those disrespectful. Now you chose these, these um, the consequences, all right? Well, I don't want to do those consequences. Well, you know what? For every, <laughs> I shouldn't say that, you know, for every hour or every 15 minutes you choose not to, we're going to stack on another hour of that consequence. You choose. It was always empowering. Because see, we, we had the power, but you wanted to empower them to make the choices. And we're going to bring this back together. And later, maybe later, we're going to have a conversation. You know, why did we get in that fight two days ago? And how can we mend that? Uh, some parents have said, you know, you, you disrespected your mother, and now here's the consequence. You not only got to apologize to her, you got to mend it. And we're going to ask you to take her out to, I'm going to have you take her out to dinner. You got to pay for it, and you got to verbally or just write it on a note, apologize to your mother, because it's, that honor thing is more about not just behavior, but it's about that relationship that you broke, and now you got to mend it. My friends, Discipline is extremely hard, no doubt about it. It, it, but it's extremely valuable for us and our kids. Discipline should never be crouched in, in anger, but in the love of God. That's something that we're doing for our children appropriately, consistently, right? That it's in that relationship, not only the behavior, but also the relationship. And honor is always going to be better than just obedience. Let me give you two things to, to something to encourage you to do. 
If you're thinking about this and, and you're parenting these days, I encourage you to have a conversation with your spouse or even your kids and set some standards. A lot of times we're, we're not sure, our kids are not sure what we expect, right? Our spouses are not on the same page. So maybe there's an appointment to say, okay, where are we going with this? And how we institute this honor um, element that's more about relationship when we damage or cross lines. Second thing is be a learner. Man, I can tell you, it's not easy for Terry and I. And through the years, we got stacks of parenting books. We always used to listen to Focus on the Family, but now it's a podcast. And Focus on Family is just huge resource for all kinds of things in life, from your marriage to uh, loneliness to especially parenting or blended families. You can go there and hit any of their uh, podcasts or their articles. Focus on the family. There's Family Life Today. Uh, I listen to a podcast called Dad Awesome, a local a guy just being an awesome dad. So be a learner and, and be a, a person that can meet with your spouse or your kids and say, let's, let's get on the same page, those two things. In closing, I want to share a, another inspiring story of a, of a couple <clears throat> that instituted some appropriate honoring and discipline. So this couple had a burden for kids that grew up in dysfunctional families. They were now in the foster system. Their kids were kind of getting older and, and out, and they just said, you know, let's offer our home for these foster kids and see if we can just give them a picture or just model uh, for a functional family. And this was a Christian family. Uh, we might not solve all their baggage and their past or whatever, but at least they can say, I think it's doable. We saw this family. And so they would have these different foster children into their house. And one of the children came in and they got settled in. And after a week, they went up to the, the, the guy and said, okay, what are the rules in this house? We've been in different houses. What are the rules? Now, this father was so wise. He's like, what this child is asking is, what are the, how far can I get away with? I want to know so I can go right up against that boundaries. And I'm going to do everything I can. What are the rules? And he didn't say anything. Here's our rule. And he took a piece of paper and he wrote the word honor on it. Slid it across the paper and said, this is our rule. We only have this. Honor. We promise you we're going to honor you. And we want you to honor us. Because in our house, it's not about so much behavior and rules. It's about a relationship. And when we get the relationship right, that we want to honor one another, respect and care and love, pretty soon we don't have to break rules. We're not always trying to find a cheat to system and get away with things, but how to honor and love one another. That's what we want in our house. You might want to try that. You might want to um, raise up the, the element of honor in your parenting. I know I want to. It was my child in my house. And it might even go to your employer and other places of authorities in your life to honor them. So I hope that helps. Let's stand and pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Well, Heavenly Father, <clears throat> we, you are the heavenly parent. And uh, you want us to honor you and we uh, repent and confess at times that we disrespected or disobeyed you. God, help us to mend that relationship. But at the same time, God, help us to inspire our children to be people of honor and to have healthy relationships. I pray for all the parents here, maybe even grandparents here, that, that want their grandkids and their kids to be people of honor, of righteousness, of holiness, and goodness. Help us have, gain great wisdom and patience, Lord. Help us to have an incredible relationship with our children so when the time comes where we have to bring discipline, 
and consequences, God, that we honor them, but we also follow through. We love you. We need you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.